Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the I Hear Design podcast. I'm Robert Yamin and Chief Content Director for Interiors and Sources. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at the Mohawk Group. And with me today, I have a couple of very special guests. Royce Epstein is the A&D Design Director at Mohawk, and Rami Vogal is the Senior Manager of Sustainability. Welcome, Royce and Rami. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. We're, we like to call ourselves the R&R show. The R&R. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we, thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to talk about the impact that 2020 has had uh, you know, on you guys first as a company. So, I mean, what's happened this year with Mohawk? What's changed for you guys and, and what's stayed the same? What hasn't changed? Um, it's Royce here. I'm going to, I'll kick it off. Um, you know, I think for a lot of people, um, they've seen some um, sort of, the negative downturn or the negative side effects of the economy and the time we're living in. But I always like to be positive. And at Mohawk, we definitely try to choose the positive path of how we can move forward. And so we've been looking at everything we're doing now, you know, since sort of the virus really started in mid-March on how can we kind of rethink what we're doing to bring our messaging to our clients in a more direct way. And I think, you know, the positivity really helps because we haven't slowed down one bit. Like we have been um, really busy and really proactive. Um, You know, our product design pipeline has continued. We've launched some uh, major product collections over the last six, seven months. Um, we've um, been able to stay in touch with all of our customers. We had uh, a conference in the summer called Design Forward, where we literally had like record-breaking attendance at um, of three days of, of you know lectures and content. Um, we've done an amazing CEU series to really um, bring all this content to everybody. Mm-hmm. We've launched something called PS Studio, which is a personalization and visualization tool for customers to literally you know, change a color in in their carpet designs, for example. Um, And we're working on all these new innovations that are going to be coming to market in the new year. So we haven't really stopped or slowed down. And in fact, some of us probably are busier than we ever have. Mm -hmm. I'm not traveling now. So I have a lot of time to be home and creating new content and writing new lectures and working on new design development. Um, And it's been amazing. And I I just want to say before I turn it over to Rami that, um, you know, this time has allowed us to, to uh, really hone in and connect individually with our customers. You know, usually we're presenting to groups of customers at firms or at end users, um, but everybody now has a different situation. You know, some people are working part-time hours. Um, you know, some people are homeschooling their kids and can only slot us in at certain times. And it, it's just chaotic, right? So um, what's nice is I've been able to try to find a cadence with different customers of, of meeting with them. So, you know, it's okay if like we're not presenting to 30 people at a time and we're just meeting with four people. That's okay because those four people are working. They need the inspiration and, um, you know, guidance about our products from us. And we're really happy to connect with each and every customer. Yeah, I would like to add a little bit to what Royce said. And I definitely agree with her uh, that on keeping the positive attitude and uh, Moha Group has definitely like taken um, initiatives in terms of like, how do we adapt to this changing um, situation? And um, everyone's calling it the new normal, but I think this is more of a transition towards what could look like a new normal. And humans have been like over time adapted and um, it's called evolution. Like you just adapt to the changing situations. So for example, like our, even our salespeople, are, um, since the time there have been like cities have been open and there's more um, 
of those avenues to engage your customers. So come, uh, some of our salespeople have been doing like outdoor engagements instead of traditionally what would have happened like a lunch and learn or breakfast events. Like people have been engaging through like food trucks and other kind of like outdoor avenues that still gives you opportunity to be like social and have that human to human connection, mm -hmm. but then explore it from a very different standpoint and something like that we haven't seen before. So that's something that we um, have done as well as like uh, really like the one-on-one -on -one interaction. Um, like Roy said, that maybe we're not able to participate at a conference that has like thousand people at one time, but just these human to human connections that we have been able to establish, like that really brings us more closer, uh, whether it's to other employees or whether it's to customers, because now we're sometimes even talking and engaging with some of our internal employees that we wouldn't have in the past. And it's kind of like a transition phase, so I, but, but in a more positive manner. So I think, um, uh, anything that happens, like we're, we're positioned, well positioned to like adapt to that change and um, just keep on building that momentum as we go into the new year. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a great point. I love the, you know, the fact that even though everybody was kind of driven into quarantine, as you're saying, you know, it's kind of forced this more intimate human to human connection that um, maybe we sort of overlooked or neglected, took for granted before. And so, um, and it's so great too, uh, uh, to your point, Royce, just about how busy everybody's been. We've heard a lot of the same that designers and design firms are still busy. They're active despite the, you know, some of the economic downturn. So um, it's just, it's just great to hear that there's so much positivity and, and, and work and people staying busy. I know it's, it's an interesting time to be sure. And, um, and, you know, which kind of, you know, leads me into just kind of talking about people's overall sense of their sense of health and safety, well-being. I mean, obviously that's there, everybody's kind of hyper-focused on that right now for good reason. Mm -hmm. um, so how yeah. has Mohawk, how have you guys been addressing, you know, some of these concerns as far as uh, in your product development and, and your approach to, to business now? Yeah. So one of the things that Mohawk um, has done well is that we have been committed to the health and wellness of our employees as well as customers and the communities um, right from like right from the beginning. So when we manufacture products like our R&D teams and product design and development has already um, it's ingrained within the Mohawk culture to um, be wary of like health hazards and chemicals of concern and eliminate chemicals of concerns where we can uh, and find alternate chemistries and come out with solutions that are better suited for the marketplace. So that was something that we already were doing. But at the same time, with the wake of the current events and the heightened sensitivity about these issues, we have like issued like cleaning and maintenance protocols that that we that we basically like advise people on how to clean the different products whether it's soft surface or hot surface and um, essentially like as long as you follow those guidelines then 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 you're doing fine um, and and then we regularly communicate about like the human health connection and how like choosing red list free products or products that do not have those chemicals of concerns, like we, through the educations and all of those engagement, digital engagements that we have been having, we have been stressing that point and trying to create more awareness around those. Um, so those are some of the things that in terms of like, I think when the pandemic brought to attention all of the impacts of like indoor air quality, 
people started asking more and more questions, but it wasn't something that we had to change in the product manufacturing. It was more about like creating that educational awareness about some of these things that we already were doing and then how the customers can use the products, clean the products and maintain and so on and so forth. So one of the things too, that I think people are paying so much more attention to uh, now are just kind of social distancing, even in, you know, public spaces. Uh, and one of the things that kind of drives me nuts is, is seeing the, you know, those, the floor stickers and all the, you know, the stuff that kind of just sort of shouts at you, um, where I think there could be, you know, more intuitive way to do that. Um, do you guys see uh, carpet playing a role in kind of designing for distance and keeping people safely apart when they're in the same space? What opportunities do you see there? Absolutely. I mean, you know, flooring materials have always created wayfinding and have always delineated space. So to Robbie's point earlier about cleaning, like we really haven't had to shift how we uh, design or go to market with our products because they've already been in this sort of healthy space of like creating, um, you know, visual cues for people. When designers use uh, different types of materials, whether it's like a hard surface next to a, a soft surface or two different patterns or colors that are juxtaposed next to each other, you're creating zones. And we have a lot of products that um, are designed that way. Um, and, you know, like Neutopia is a great example where we've designed a ground and a, a tile that's actually a transition between the ground and then an accent. And so by using this kind of systems approach, you can um, delineate different kinds of spaces like a pathway or a walkway or lounge areas. And, and I think directionality is going to be really important. And, you know, we're seeing hard surface be used a lot more because of cleanability, mm -hmm. but I think hard surface is also great to use to, to activate spaces. You know, maybe instead of just using one wood look, use two wood looks that are, that are complementary colors that can create a graphic. So, People know which direction to walk down the corridor, for example, or activating a, a more public space so people know it's okay to go there, but then you have to leave and, and move in, a, you know, sort of a singular direction. So I think, you know, materials in general, but especially flooring are really, really important to give mm -hmm. people these visual cues. And I think beyond that, um, it's also about how, how we absorb what we see in these visual cues. Like, is the flooring giving us visual comfort and ease? Like, you mentioned, you know, these sort of ad hoc solutions like tape and stickers and mats and things. And, and those are all fine for quick solutions. But as, you know, architects and interior designers, you know, they don't work in that quick zone. They work in the sort of, you know, creating a permanent solution for whatever it is that the client needs. And so, and a design solution, an integrated design solution. And so that involves, you know, using materials and um, hopefully not stickers and tape and whatnot. Um, and, and when you use these more ad hoc things, it causes chaos. Like people's eyes like are looking at more things that really shouldn't be there. Um, the materials I think of the space should be enough to guide people on where to walk and where to sit, et cetera. So I think like, like these visual cues have to give us visual comfort. And, and when we have that, then we have emotional comfort. Um, and I think it's gonna take that to get us back to public space and, and back to the office. Like you need a good reason to go and you're gonna need to feel that emotional safety when you, you know, emerge and you go back to public space. Right. Yeah. And that's super important right now. Obviously, I mean, everybody's uh, emotions are pretty frayed from, from all that's been going on this year. So yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, and, you know, Rami, when you were talking earlier about wellness, um, that also kind of brings up the the topic of biophilic design because they, they go hand in hand, mm -hmm. obviously. What ways has Mohawk utilized uh, this concept in, in its product design? Um, I'm pretty sure you guys have some certified products that are, that are living products. Is that correct? Yes. 
Yes, definitely. So one of the things that biophilic design can be integrated into product design through so many different ways that whether it's textures, patterns, colors, or even some of the more detailed concepts of like evidence-based design. And there is heavy research done in that as well. So if you have a chance to look at like some of the examples that I'm going to mention, such as uh, when we launched our first living product, which was Lycan, that was um, in 2017. And that was based off the concept of like the actual species of lichen that are found in like the North American region and adopting those in the patterns into the design, but also in the texture. And we use our like construction tufting methodology to create those textures. Um, the, the most recent example is like the smart city collections, like how adopting like the urban models and how cities are designed and that pattern has been adopted into like creating these re really unique um, carpetile collections. Um, there's different ways that biophilic design can be incorporated. And um, um, I wanted to highlight like relaxing floors also, which is based on the concept of like fractals in nature. And it's actually an evidence-based design, uh, which really like, um, like based on the fractals and how the patterns are, it actually influences and brings up, it's known to like impact like stress reduction too. So there's a lot of study that um, allows that. And when it comes to living product challenge, like biophilic design is a big component. Living product challenge actually has a whole petal which is dedicated to beauty and not just from the subjective or aesthetic standpoint, but truly integrating like how is like these elements adding to the quality of the space and how does it enhance the quality of the space? How does it make, by integrating these elements, how does it make one feel inside the space? And that's a very uh, great way of integrating sustainability and design. When it comes to living products, um, all of our like nylon carpetile products that we have on our NXT, um, our main flagship backing like NXT Matrix and NXT Air are living products. In addition to that, we also have like um, our woven collection, which is another beautiful product that Mohawk has, which is also living products. And then uh, we were one of the first few people in the resilient tile to launch Pivot Point, which is also a living products. So one thing about living products that I would like to highlight definitely is that they're all um, living products essentially is a product that is free of like chemicals of concern. It gives back more resources in terms of like environmental such as like carbon and water than it takes to manufacture the product. And then it also has a very beautiful social component to it, which essentially is allowing like manufacturers to bridge the gap between environmental and social equity. So all of these products that I mentioned, they, they um, from an individual standpoint, they have over like 300 to 400 individual product styles that, that are on each of those product platforms that are living product certified. Yeah, and I remember the the relaxing floors product. I think I saw it at mm -hmm. the last time I was in person in Chicago. It was just it was incredible. Um, just you know the research that went into that and and the impact that it can have, the potential um, applications were were just incredible. So um, that's really really cool. Um, and I know Mohawk too has been sort of invested in uh, human uh, human centered design as well. Can you talk a little bit about that and how maybe designers can effectively employ, you know, those types of strategies on the floor uh, using carpet and, and other types of flooring product? Yeah, I mean, it should be noted, I think, first that biophilia is not just a material strategy. I mean, it's about having access to daylight and 
um, you know, having um, sort of these patterns and processes from nature kind of brought uh, inside in various ways. But obviously, because we are in the flooring industry, I, I think I'll just focus on the floor plane. But I think one of the things that's important is that, um, you know, designers really have to bring in materials that do speak to elements of nature. And it's like, how can you do that if you're looking at a hard surface or you're looking at, you know, a fuzzy carpet? Mm -hmm. So for us, you know, we're looking at texture. We're looking at how the yarn, for example, for our carpet is made so that um, it mimics um, closely some textures you see in nature. So for example, uh, we have a yarn system that's quite sustainable. It's called Heathered Hues. It's a very small yarn system, which is interesting because um, our main yarn bank is about 400 colors and Heathered Hues is only 36 colors. And what it is, is it's a, it's a single filament yarn, but it looks like an air entangled heathered um, fiber that mimics the look of wool. So when our eyes, which have ancient DNA in them, right, are seeing something that looks like nature, like sheep hair or, or fur, um, you know, it reminds us of that sort of primal connection to nature that we all still carry with us in our DNA. And so, you know, we don't really think about that when we go to the office or, you know, we're um, wandering around the mall or our house or wherever we are that, you know, we, our bodies and our eyes, especially, and this goes back to what Rami was talking about with fractals, like we crave seeing the, or the kind of, uh, I'll call them the OG textures of nature, right. you know, just like our, our ancient ancestors, um, you know, they saw stone and wood and the sky and leaves and tree bark and all these things that, you know, we don't see so much anymore. And in fact, I just heard a statistic last week that we're indoors now about 90% of the time or more because of COVID. And some of us, somebody like me, like I, I only go out once a day to walk my dog, um, mm. sad. So I'm not seeing these textures from nature, like in its sort of original format. So we have to mimic that in the built environment. And so, you know, Heather Hughes looks like wool. We employ that um, as part of the design of our carpet products. And so when you're looking at something like Relaxing Floors or Neutopia, um, we have other products that use it like Lichen and Smart City. Um, you're looking at a nylon carpet, but it feels like wool. And so it gives you this sensation of like feeling grounded and warm and cozy and kind of like putting a sweater on like this time of year, you know, everyone's putting a sweater on for the first time, mm. unless you live in Florida, maybe. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I'm in Philly. It's kind of cold here. Got the heat on. Um, we're starting to wear sweaters and it's that cozy feeling you get of just feeling grounded. And so materials can do that. And I think carpet is a really good mm -hmm. material to make people feel um, just emotionally grounded and connected to nature. Um, and I think with like hard surface products, if you're not using a real wood, using an LVT that has these textures and patterns from nature embedded into them, um, you know, like a, a wood look or a, a stone look, for example, can, can also bring that um, into a space. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, Royce, I think you should probably coin that term, uh, OG textures <laughs> in nature. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to have to start using that. So. All right, coined it here first. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, and, and then any topic or any, I'm sorry, any conversation, you know, about biophilic design um, is, is obviously going to, you know, tie to sustainability, climate change, global warming. Um, Rami, can you talk a little bit about Mohawk's approach to addressing the problem of carbon and becoming like a net positive mm -hmm. company? What's, what's happening on that front? 
Yeah, so like I mentioned a little bit earlier about the living products and them being like carbon positive and water positive, as well as like giving back to the communities. So essentially with carbon, um, one of the things that the living products allow you to do, or rather require you to do is that basically whatever you manufacture, you have to determine a way to offset more than that um, through different kind of hand printing initiatives and carbon offsets. And we have been doing a lot through like some of our hand printing initiatives, such as like installing low flow shower heads at some of the HBCUs that we have partnered with. Uh, we installed a couple of solar flowers with um, some of the underserved communities and STEM education institutions. And if you see there is an environmental benefit to all of these initiatives in terms of water conservation or renewable technology and um, savings of greenhouse gas emissions, as well as energy efficiency through them. But um, all of those combined with the carbon offsets um, are more than how much it takes to manufacture those living products. And that's how you really create a handprint and try to become net positive. And the, the whole concept is that there's you cannot anymore just do like, just reduce your footprint or do less harm. You have to like give back and save and conserve more than you do. And that's, that's been our um, sort of like goal or guiding principle for the past couple of years is like, how do we create more impact positively than how much we're consuming? And um, that's where the whole net positive initiative comes along. And we have been, um, um, this is a learning process, a journey. So we have been discovering some alternative pathways of how we can get there. And in the year to come, we will be exploring some other avenues as well, as some of these issues are becoming more and more like challenging, but in a good way. I think it really brings an opportunity for companies to really think about like how to address the climate change and all of that, but also like figure out how to tackle the societal and social impact issues that we're all facing and how to bridge that gap. So that's something that really we have been um, trying to like figure out internally as well as communicate that to the, um, to the, sale, uh, to the customers, to our salespeople. And uh, it's, it's a lot of good um, initiatives that we are going to look forward to. Yeah, definitely. That's such a good point. And, and just making that connection that designers can uh, have, uh, they can make a big impact based on, you know, the types of products and, and things that they're specifying mm -hmm. projects and how they design uh, can, can really make a measurable impact on some of those uh, metrics that you talked about. Um, so, you know, if I understand correctly, I know Mohawk has taken on a kind of a systems thinking approach to contract design. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more and what that sort of means for, uh, for the company? Sure. Um, so our product design team, um, you know, in order to not just have efficiencies, because that's what systems thinking tends to be about from a manufacturing standpoint, but also just from a, a user experience standpoint, we want to have products that are cohesive, they have visual cohesion, um, and, you know, enable uh, the A&D community and, and user community when they're pulling our products to have things that work together. And I think, you know, because Mohawk grew by acquisition over many years of having different brands, it took our design team a while to have one cohesive design language. And we are, we are definitely there. We've been there over the last five years. Mm -hmm. And so this systems thinking approach is taking that to the next level to make sure that, you know, we have products that are using similar yarn systems so that the colors work together and then also match our LVT products and our edge base products and things like that. But systems thinking to me also is about collections that are cohesive, that have 
again, I mentioned Newtopia earlier, there's a ground, there's a transition piece and, a, and an accent. So within the collection, there's sort of a vocabulary of different kinds of products that you can use individually. You can use two of them together, or you can use three or four or five of them together and create um, a much larger floor plate that has your own handprint or signature on it. Um, and so by doing that, it really allows the, um, you know, the interior designer or architect who's specifying these to have a um, kind of a kit of parts, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not like granimals. Like I'm dating myself here as a kid, you know, in the seventies, I had a wardrobe where, you know, your blue pants match your, you know, blue and white striped t-shirt. It's, it's, it's sort of like that, but not exactly. I mean, it's, we do it in a much more sophisticated way, obviously, but it's, it's sort of that idea where, you know, we're offering a collection that everything goes together and works together. And so designers aren't struggling. If you want to use this ground and find a different accent in another collection, they don't always match. Well, at Mohawk, they do. And so, you know, we're, we've worked really hard over the last, I'd say, five years to have this cohesion and this systems thinking. Um, and I think for COVID, the time that we're in, these kinds of products are really important because they allow, again, interior designers and architects to create um, you know, a unified look that is sort of, um, you know, kind of easy on the eyes, if you will, for that idea of visual comfort and cohesion. Um, but everything is going to work together, even though you can still have the delineation of, of a circulation space or open area workspace or a conference room or whatnot. True. Um, so that's sort of what we mean by systems. And we have other yeah. definitions too that are more technical, just about efficiencies of how we make yarn and how we use different things. But I think from, from a user perspective, it, it's really just about having things that are visually cohesive and work together so that there's more options for designers to put them together. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure it makes life easier for the, for the designers and architects out there as well. Um, and so I wanted to also just kind of touch on a couple of the new collections that you have. I know um, Mohawk Smart City recently won the Buildings Product Innovation Award. So congrats again on that mm -hmm. uh, and took the editor's designation. That was very cool. Um, and you also launched a line called the uh, Optic Reset. I think you've talked about uh, both of which were supposed to, to be at Neocon uh, this year. So can you talk a little bit more about these products, like what makes them unique in terms of the, the product offerings that, that Mohawk has? Yeah, Definitely. So uh, Optic Reset essentially is a three-tile three system of like nine colorways. And then this is one particular system that can be helped with like wayfinding and designing for distance through like incorporation of dif different kind of like visual cues. So this collection was created using like elements from photography, illustration, and like graphic design. And that allows like designers to create like their own visual narratives which then like through dual styles and like shifting colorways of light and dark. So it's a very unique collection, very much so different from like Smart City. So Smart City was the one that was inspired by like some of the world's most connected um, like places. Um, one, of the, one of the styles in there is like inspired by like metropolitan subway line and like different, like six to seven different color options. So they're both very distinct collections. But again, like driving from the principles of biophilia and biophilic design, uh, they each have their own individual uh, um, like qualities that they could offer designers in creating their own like uh, like good visual connection. Uh, all of both of them are living products um, certified as well, and uh, like I mentioned earlier, so a couple of things like with living product challenges that. Uh, when designers specify more of these products and when more of these products get sold, 
we get more opportunities to create a more positive impact like by doing more hand printing initiatives doing more carbon offsets so that's like something that we would really like to uh, focus on is like if we want to expand this hand printing to the next level we want these products to be specified more additionally like if a designer is specifying these products then they also show that they're committed to like bridging that gap between environmental and social equity as well as well as these products are red list free which means that they're chemicals of concern free so especially like in the times that we're in now more and more designers like they can they can commit to like specifying um products that are free of chemicals of concern and these collections and all the styles that are included in them like meet that meet that criteria so i think along with all of our other living products these two very distinctly um distinct distinct collections um really like um allow designers to choose from a varied range of like products and then meet their aesthetic requirements as well as any other project requirements that they have right yeah and i'll jump in on yeah. smart city because I, in my mind it's really groundbreaking um it's something that we mm -hmm. developed uh in uh collaboration with gensler right and it's the second project that we've collaborated on the design with gensler and it was actually based on the idea for smart cities um it's that might be a new term for some people and it was for me when we started talking about it so smart cities are cities that are leveraging technology to make cities safer healthier you know more walkable cleaner greener you know you have it um and gensler had had written i think at least two if not three different white papers about smart cities so we actually started collecting data about um you know what this means like you know how much carbon dioxide are cities emitting for example and what cities around the world are are using um good technology techniques to you know have better connectivity and so when we started to hone in on connectivity and that was also the subject of the earlier product utopia um which was kind of a, a metaphor for like connecting in urban areas and and the melting pot of cities um we wanted to look at what that physically looks like from that standpoint of connection and so we looked at six different cities that have really great transit systems and extrapolated the subway pattern of the like literally of the subway map um and overlaid that on kind of a soft city grid it's not quite a grid because it's it's much more organic based on how we tufted and and the, those heather hughes yarns make it look very soft um but the line work for each city is a little different um referencing a sense of place and so you know one thing about um you know sort of combating uh sort of climate change and especially um all the carbon issues that we have is thinking locally and not globally even though we're a global manufacturer and of course we support um you know global economy we also know that if you think locally and spend locally and you know focus on your town where you let you live and your sense of place that you're also helping the sustainability of your local place and i think with covid also this is happening a lot more like you know people are, you know might not be able to go you know far or even drive to go get their coffee in the morning so instead hopefully you're supporting your local mom and pop coffee shop to help keep them going as opposed to a big chain. So, you know, even that is a sense of like localism and yeah. um we're finding that all of these things whether it's green space in cities or high speed transit, you know, even with transit like if you can save a half hour each way on your commute from having a faster train because the city you live in is using, you know, green power and it's just easier for them and and healthier for everybody, you know, you're you're saving an hour a day on your commute and that's going to make you a uh, 
happier, healthier, more productive citizen. And maybe you're exercising during that time, right? right. So it's like, I think Rami was talking about handprinting. This is another way of handprinting. Like, you know, maybe not necessarily literally as part of our program, but thinking about how cities can give back to people, how citizens can give back to their communities. I mean, it's all really tied together. And so when we first mm-hmm. took on Smart City, it's just like, it kept blowing my mind over and over, like how many connections there are to, you know, sustainability and humanity. And, and, and it's really deep and we could talk about it for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, so I love that product. I'm really proud of it. And I'm, um, you know, happy that it's out in the world now. Yeah, definitely. No, it's super interesting. And it's, and it's a really very cool looking carpet pattern. And it's great to hear the backstory and all those connections, you know, that went into it and see how that kind of comes through in the design of it. So that's very cool. And uh, for our listeners out there, if you want to check out Mohawk Smart City uh, and Optic Reset collections or any of the other collections discussed today, be sure to head over to mohawkgroup.com or obviously you can read about them on the INS website as well and link over uh, to them. So Royce and Rami, thanks again for being here. It's been great chatting with both of you. Thank you. It was awesome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And as always, be well, everyone.